Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast, and I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with His best looks like, and that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically-based coaching resources that will help you align your life with His best. On this episode, we are diving back into our Let Go and Live Bible study, an expression that the Lord laid on my heart last fall and the vision for this 2021 year for me personally is having a vision for breakthrough, how to live set free from the strongholds that so often easily entangle us, whether it be in our thinking, if it's in our living, whatever that looks like, and to really live transformed. And so we are doing this by studying God's word super slow and super deep. Each month, we're looking at a different chapter of scripture. Yes, only one chapter. And I am studying that one chapter for the whole month and then bring you this teaching and study. You can get the downloaded downloadable materials in the More To Be Sisterhood, which is basically a fancy way of saying access to all of the More To Be resources, studies, worksheets, coaching concepts, everything that you're looking for within the sisterhood. Think of it like a library of Bible study content and personal growth material. And so the Let Go and Live resources are in there. And one of the things I'm doing in studying God's Word this way is I am first reading the chapter, then I'm taking as long as it takes to write out that entire chapter. And boy, did I bite off a big one with chapter 8 of Romans because there's 39 verses in it. And then uh, from there, I am writing out the entire chapter again, but from uh, the perspective of praying the word. And so that's really what the Let Go and Live Bible study is about in terms of application and principle. Uh, and then the last part that you'll get in the Let Go and Live study is the well-being guide. And so each month I am tying in what does the application stay of scripture in terms of our mental health and stewarding our heart, mind, and body unto the Lord in the pursuit of well-being. So this month, we are looking, as I said, at uh, Romans 8. I'm looking down here at my Bible. This is a huge chapter of Scripture, and it's really, in my perspective, divided into two parts. And even, it's not my perspective alone, because the writers of this text actually divide it as well. At least I'm looking at the New Living Translation and we have life in the spirit, which is verses 1 through 17. And then the future glory is verses 18 through 30. And then nothing can separate us from God's love. And that's thirty through 31 through 39. And so what I'd like to do is have us read through these scriptures together. I want to point out some things of how we quote particular verses from scripture and unaware of how they fall in the context of scripture. So how often have you heard somebody say, but God works everything together for the good. And, and yet that is not a full quote of scripture. It is God has worked everything together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purposes 
for them, his purpose for them. So yes, these are true verses, right? So God has called uh, his people, those who love him, and he is working out good for them. But this good that he is working out also requires our participation. What are we doing in the spirit and what are we doing in the way that we are living? Uh, these other verses that are familiar to you likely, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And then verse 15, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba Father. This is, this is relationship between father and child, between life in the spirit and life in the flesh. And, and then we might just want to stop right there, right? But the very last portion of this passage talks about uh, nothing can separate us from the gods of God's love. If God is for us, who can be against us? How many times have you quoted that? Or there is overwhelming victory for us in Christ. Uh, who loved us, and that there is no power uh, on earth that can, you know, rattle our lives compared to the power of God. We like to quote the parts that make sense, but are we living it out in context? This is really what was my take home from the month of studying it. And, and it happened during a month of a lot of struggle and strife, conflict with people, uh, situations that didn't turn out how they expected. And, and not just for me, but for people I, I dearly love, people outside of my family, people inside of my family. And I was sitting there one morning looking at, at all of this and thinking, Lord, you know, I think we have it all wrong. I think the issue is that every day is a suffering day. Every day is a day that things don't go right. And when they do, when we are without suffering, that is your extravagant grace. That is the overwhelming victory that we are experiencing. That is your blessing. And rather than living with fear of suffering or fear of the, the bad thing happening or the, the ball to drop, right? Uh, we actually need to be living flipped in the, wow, nothing bad happened today. That was God's mercy. That was God's love for me in an extravagant way. And when things are hard, then it's confidence in knowing we are right in the center of God's will because life on this earth is hard and suffering is what we are, are expecting to experience. That tension between what our bodies desire, what our flesh desires, and what the spirit is calling to, it's, it's right there. And so I really want to just start it at verse one and kind of work our way through it to see what this really looks like in the flesh and blood. Okay, so starting with verse one, we have, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, right there, from the very beginning of studying this particular chapter, God was impressing upon me to really meditate on that. And I probably could have spent a month doing it. And I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning, my brain is going before my eyes open up, before my mouth opens up, before my feet hit the floor. I tend to be thinking, thinking, thinking. And I have found over the last year that the place my mind goes to is usually something of shame. 
some sort of guilt or embarrassment or regret, something that I feel like I failed at or I should have said or I didn't say or I should have done but I didn't do. Uh, and so really, like I'm waking up to the voice of condemnation. And right from the beginning of studying this passage, I found myself waking up and the first thought I had on my brain was, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And it was like kind of alarming by day three or four. I was like, wow, that's a nice way to wake up. I mean, with that, I actually put my feet on the floor and I can believe that I belong to him and the power of the life-giving spirit has freed me from the power of sin that leads to death. And that is application, right? This is taking the scripture and saying, this is what I'm meditating on. This is what I'm going to believe. And I'm going to let the spirit lead me in this case. And as you continue to read, I'm not going to read every verse, but if you, as you continue to read verses three through four, there is this discussion between the law and then the body and what, what couldn't happen by the law. So, and in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for her, our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied and for us and who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. So there's this setup to be following the spirit. And I really want you to visualize what does that mean to be following the spirit? And I want, I want it to, to kind of frame that with verse five here. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. I'm going to continue. Verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit if you have the spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to God at all. So do you notice some words that are repetitive? We're talking about belonging to God, right? And as someone belonging to God, we have the spirit of God living in us. And as somebody living with the spirit of God in us, we have a choice about how we're actually going to live. And I've been through a situation with um, in some horse training environments that really this really clearly applies to. So if you humor me on my horse speak for a second. So there is an old school uh, horsemanship and horse training perspective, this concept that we are to dominate the horse. And a, a way to dominate might look like putting a halter on a horse without asking consent, uh, taking that horse into an arena, putting a lunge rope on that horse, uh, making that horse run in one direction, the other direction. And if they're not doing, you get more and more aggressive until that horse submits. And now the horse is doing what you want to do. So, so that is a real picture of dominating, right? And it's amazing how a human can dominate a creature that is much bigger than they are. Um, but this is the, the way of, of the world. This is the way it has been done. Uh, it's not the way that I do it. Uh, I come from a very different perspective through natural lifemanship, which is where I'm getting my training through, equine therapy plus you know working with horses in a training context. In that, 
you you are not seeking to dominate. You're seeking to build a relationship of trust. And so that relationship requires curiosity. It requires connection. It requires listening to one another. It requires observation. There's all sorts of things that need to happen. But at the end of the day, uh, and this is a friend explained this to me so well, I want to give her credit to it. She said, at the end of the day, the horse doesn't have the language processing center that a human does, right? And God has commissioned us to be stewards over the animals on this planet, right? They don't rule over us. We are to rule over creation. But how do we go about doing that? We are to go about doing that with a servant heart like, like Jesus has for us. So he leads us, but he leads us in a, with a servant's heart. And so in a horse training situation, you want to have a servant leadership role where, yes, there may be times you will ask the horse to go left or to go right, and you are leading and will use various pressures for that horse to go that way, but you're doing it from a point of relationship. As I look at this passage, this, this dominated by the sinful nature versus controlled by the Holy Spirit, different words there that I think have a lot of meaning. When the Spirit is controlling us, it is through the relationship that we have with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. And it is in a relationship that is of trust and a relationship built on love. And when the Holy Spirit prompts us in a direction and, and seeks to control us, it, it is a something that we get to say yes to. We're not forced in. The Holy Spirit will not dominate us. We have to say, yes, I'm all in. I will consent to that. I want to be led by you. I trust you, God. Lead me. Our flesh will choose to dominate us, right? It's not seeking to necessarily get our consent. It's seeking to rule over us. And we have to be active in saying, no, you are not ruling over me. Whether it is a matter of sugar, which is my issue, whether it's a matter of idolatry of material things, if it is a desire for somebody that you're not married to, pornography, fame, pride, success, whatever it is that your flesh says, I need that, that is a moment in which you need to physically say, no, God, lead me by your power and your love that the flesh will not dominate me, but that you will control me. And, and God says in this passage, that control starts with our mind. What are we thinking? But if we only stay in the thinking place and we don't engage the rest of our body in the process, that's where we end up in trouble because our desires manifest in our flesh and, and then take action in our thought life. And so I want, it, I want you to think about it this way. Like, yes, the thoughts are there, but how many times do you sit down, read your Bible, pray, have this awesome quiet time, and then you carry on <laughs> and you are no longer thinking clearly as you're biting off somebody's head or you're turning to something you just told God that you weren't going to turn to. It's because your body and your brain are disconnected. So one of the things I'd like you to be able to do is think about how to connect your mind, your brain, with the rest of your body so that you're connected and not disconnected. 
And that means becoming aware of the cravings you have and the desires in your body and the fear that you have in your body and the anxiety and the longings in your body, your emotions, your your sensations, what is happening in you. And so in the well-being guide, I talk about this and I created an acronym that I'm going to pull up on the screen so I can see it and share it with you called BRAVE. Because one of the things that we need to do is embrace a brave posture when we are saying no to the flesh and yes to the spirit's leading. And so B in brave stands for breathe. Before you do anything, take a breath. Let your body regulate, right? And if you're feeling anxious or, or lonely or fearful or angry or you know, eager or, or expectant, whatever it is, just take a breath and breathe and allow that breath to, to slow your heart rate down and to be attentive to God. And then release, notice in your body where you're holding the tension. And so we will hold tension in funny places. We'll hold it in our jaws, in our stomach, in our chest. Just find where your body is feeling, maybe some agitation or concern or apprehension Uh, And maybe you'll discover that there's nothing there. Well, then carry on in the spirit, right? But if there is is this disconnect between your behavior and life in the spirit, start to pay attention to what your body's telling you. And then when you find that tension, actually squeeze it and release it so you can feel the opposite of that tension. And then acknowledge, pause before God and tell him, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. And tap into your relationship with your Abba Father who is right there with you. And then from there, move into vision. What does it look like if you choose to walk by the Spirit's leading instead of by the desires of your flesh? That is where you want to go. You want to see it and walk into it. Walk into that freedom in Christ, that victory that God has for you. And then E, embrace the moment, right? embrace what is happening instead of being afraid of the emotions and the sensations bring it fully present to god and ask him for a new way of thinking and a new way of living for moving forward so just you know as you go about your day think brave 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 i am brave in christ i am brave in the face of suffering because the overwhelming victory in christ has been secured for me and we're going to get to that passage uh, part of the passage so If you look back at your Bibles, uh, verse 12 says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So in, envision that dominated by the spirit, by the flesh versus led by the spirit. And to be led, we have to put a hand out and say, God, lead me. We have to have a willing heart about that. And, and here's where that brave technique comes in because uh, verse 15, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. 
But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. And this is where we transition into once we're established in life in the spirit, now we can live in the face of suffering. So what does that suffering look like? According to Romans 8.18, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. And again, this goes back to our earlier studies from Isaiah and from Philippians. Like This is not our forever home. This is, this is temporary and it pales in comparison to what we're going to see. And verse 19, all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day. Against this will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, creation looks forward to the day when we will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. And so the pains of childbirth are addressed here. That is the experience that we are having on this earth. But we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. And even when we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering, we can wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children. So, you know, let's talk about that for a second. We're being addressed here as children, adopted children. God is our Abba Father. Well, I don't know about you, but for me, many, many years, the idea of being a child of God as my and he as my father was really hard for me to digest because my earthly father was abusive. And so I couldn't understand a God that could just love me sacrificially without uh, fearing that there would be some consequence would come if I didn't have it all together and I didn't have it right. And I'm still learning how to think differently about who God is. And I would encourage you, if that is an area of hang up for you, uh, you, you could explore two things. One, study about the names of God and the character of God. And study who he is as your father. Uh, the Encounter God Bible study might be an option for you to, to tap into those individual names of God. The other thing is get into some counseling and explore healing from those father wounds so that it's not an obstacle to your relationship with God. So kind of coming back into this, I'm picking up to uh, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And then here's verse 28, and now doesn't it make sense? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are calling to his purpose for them. So this doesn't this verse carry so much more meaning to know what God is doing to lay the foundation for that goodness he's going to accomplish? I mean, it is, he has given us the Holy Spirit. He is interceding on our behalf. He has adopted us into his family. Of course, if we're his children, he's going to work it out for, for our best and his purposes. And that may not look like what we expect it to look like because we're not in our forever home. He is working us towards eternity for something that we can't even imagine and fathom. And then verse 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. So his son would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, 
he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. And so if you've heard me talk about called and calling before, you know that there are two different words, actually more than two different words in the, in the Greek and Hebrew text. Um, one of the words is kaleo, which means to be called by name. The other is klesis, which is the divine invitation to embrace the salvation of God. And so God chose us and he's calling us to embrace our salvation. And are we saying yes to that? And when we say yes to that, we are becoming more like Jesus. We become adopted into his family. And we also are going to experience the suffering that Jesus suffered on our behalf. We, we acknowledge that life is suffering, and that is where the scriptures go next. So as we look at this last portion from verses 31 through 39, these, these are the verses we want to put on coffee mugs, right? And t-shirts and journals. Nothing can separate us from God's love, right? So verse 31, what can we, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting at the place of honor, God's right hand pleading for us. What I love about this passage is that it returns back to the beginning where we were saying there's no condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. We belong to Christ. And then we are God's children adopted in. We have this standing with God, and then therefore, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing can, can get in the way. And yet, look at verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Because this is the question that we often struggle with in the middle of suffering. And in the NLT, the next portion says, does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble, destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? And so this is what I find in our immature faith. This is the question. Something bad happens. God must not love us. We don't get what we want. God must not love us. And maybe we don't use the word love. Maybe instead we say God must be mad at us. And so therefore, but that's not true. God's love for us doesn't change. And our standing with God does not change. Even when suffering is part of our life, we we can bring suffering on ourselves, absolutely. Like our sin leads to consequences and we're gonna deal with that. But, but this entire chapter is telling us about taking a perspective check. Like we are living in our temporary homes and our temporary bodies, yearning and for eternity in which there is no suffering. And so the suffering that we have is evidence of life on earth. And it's evidence of God's grace that we can endure it and his love that we can find victory in it. And so listen to this. Um, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I mean, this is just amazing. Can you quote that over and over again? Overwhelming victory is us in Christ Jesus. 
through the hardest cancer diagnosis, through the biggest financial loss, through the change in schedule, through the failure of a diet plan, through a broken marriage, through the disappointment of not getting the contract, through the loss of a client, through the slow growth of a business, through through you name it, through the, the dream that never becomes realized, like overwhelming victory through that suffering is ours because Christ loved us. And then this last portion, and, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears today, nor our worries about tomorrow, even though those fears and worries really want to do a number on us, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what does it look like to walk out God's love and understand this overwhelming victory is ours? We have to go back to remember that's because we belong to God. And as a byproduct of belonging to God, there is a war waging within us between the flesh that wants to dominate us and the spirit of God who is ready to lead us. And there is a choice in our mind whether or not we will submit to that leading. And that leading takes place in our body as we engage in, in this creation yearning for the greater creation. It's one whole story and one whole chapter that represents all of scripture and what Christ has done for us, what God has done for us through his sacrifice and his suffering, securing our victory and future glory. And so I just, I hope that this kind of gives you that ability to take pause and say, thank you, Lord, for what you have done and continue to give me a mindset shift about what it looks like to live out your best moving forward. So if you would join me right now and just, I'm just going to pray over you guys, pray over myself as we put these scriptures into action. God, I thank you that there is no condemnation for those of us who belong to Christ Jesus and that there is overwhelming victory uh, in us because of Christ's work in us, uh, because of his love for us. And Lord, I pray that, that this month as we study your word deeply, we will come into a fuller understanding of the inheritance that we have in Christ as we're adopted into your family, and that we would be bold and courageous and brave in every way as we live out the calling you have placed in our life. God, remind us that your good purposes are for us who love you, and to, to just sit in that and be grateful for that as we seek to align our lives with your best. Thank you for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. You can also join it. You can also join the sisterhood at moretobe.com slash podcast and get access to a library of Bible study content and biblically-based coaching resources. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to join God in his work every day and align with his best.